around a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. To the bat poles. May the force be with you. Who is that master? Avengers, assemble. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. Here is some genre-related news before we get to today's discussion. Netflix announced that season two of the animated series Arcane has been officially greenlit. A prequel to League of Legends, Arcane debuted earlier this month and has become the number one digital original series with American audiences. According to a recently released report from Parrot Analytics, Arcane was the third most in-demand series in the world across all platforms. Audience demand for the show has grown exponentially since it debuted, up 629% with global audiences and 228% with American audiences between its debut on November 6th through November 21st, which is the last day of data available for the analysis. No release date is available yet for Season 3. The Comic-Con Museum in San Diego had its soft opening this week. Local dignitaries, Comic-Con officials, and volunteers were the first to see the 250,000 square feet of exhibits. San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria hailed the venue as a great day for the city during a ribbon-cutting ceremony on Friday. He said it reinforces San Diego as a cultural tourism destination. The mayor also unveiled a proclamation making Friday Comic-Con Museum Day in the city. The museum will offer memberships in various tiers. The, ro- the long-range plan predicted 13,000 charter members, 135,000 annual attendants, and 140 million in economic impact. Although it will be open year-round, the museum is expected as a destination for Comic-Con attendees who will be able to reach the venue via a free shuttle. The Comic-Con Museum's official grand opening is expected in the summer of 2022. Earlier this year, the city of Huntington Park, California, added a robot to its police force. The robot cop, actually called RoboCop, is working on a trial basis and the city and police force expressed optimism that the robot would be an asset to the force. The city manager called the robot's capabilities extremely impressive, referring in particular to its ability to use its microphone to deter criminal activity and its mobility to patrol large open spaces. The chief of police added that extra help from the robot would definitely give human officers more time to focus on other community issues. RoboCop has been on patrol since mid-June. It finally was put to the test when a fight broke out in the parking lot of Salt Lake Park. 
A witness who saw the fight approached the robot and pressed its emergency alert button. But rather than intercede or call for backup, the robot instructed her to get out of the way and carried on its pre-programmed patrol route, occasionally stopping to tell people to keep the park clean. As it turns out, the robot's communication devices are not connected to the police force, but rather to the inventor who leases the robot to the city in what can only be described as an epic fail. The robot's cameras, which are capable of recording 360-degree high-definition video and live-streaming it to police phones, are not connected to the police yet, nor are its abilities to read license plates and track cell phone use in the area. The police chief told NBC News after the incident that the robot will eventually be fully connected to the department's dispatch center after the trial period. Iconic British horror label Hammer Films has teamed with Network Distributing to form Hammer Studios Limited. The new entity will manage and control Hammer's interests in its extensive content library and will invest substantially in restoration and new production development from both its owned and newly created IP. The restoration plans are in keeping with Network's ethos as it is a well-known brand for film aficionados, mining the vaults of TV companies and film studios since 1997, unearthing cult programs and films and making them available on home video and digital formats. In particular, Network's restoration of Monty Python's Flying Circus, The Prisoner, and hundreds of British films released under the British film imprint have made them an important destination for film collectors. The company has also worked with ITV, BBC, ITC, Fremantle, Studio Canal, and many others for more than 3,000 releases. Tim Beddoes, Network's Managing Director, Financial Director Jonathan Lack, and Hammer CEO Simon Oakes will head the new company. A new trailer dropped this week for DC League of Super Pets. You can view the trailer on one of the FF social media pages, and while you're there, if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter and Instagram and like us on Facebook. We like to be followed and we love to be liked. DC League of Super Pets opens in theaters on May 20th, 2022. Some anniversaries this week as Star Trek First Contact opened in theaters 25 years ago on November 22nd, 1996. The BBC's Doctor Who debuted 58 years ago on November 23, 1963. Universal Studios' Frankenstein premiered 90 years ago on November 21, 1931. And I actually left one out. Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, debuted 35 years ago, a couple of days ago. Don't start me lying about exactly which day it was. I think it was Thursday. Director Peyton Reed tweeted earlier this week that principal photography has been completed on Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. The director added that he can't wait to show fans what the cast and crew have been up to. Ghostbusters Afterlife was the number one movie at last weekend's box office, exceeding initial projections and earning $44 million. Before I introduce the panel for today's discussion, here is the official 
spoiler-free FF review of Ghostbusters Afterlife. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. Ghostbusters Afterlife is a sequel to the 1984 movie. It feels closer to that film than either the actual sequel, Ghostbusters 2, or the 2016 reboot. And it takes the audience to a place closer to the original, too. There's nothing new about this film. The whole thing is largely a collection of redux scenes fans of the first movie will recognize. Part of that is surely because writer-director Jason Reitman understands the most likely chance the movie has for success is to emulate the classic. It's a time-honored Hollywood formula that has worked before, and Reitman is familiar as his pedigree is that his father is director Ivan Reitman. In fact, this familial connection didn't hurt in getting the movie made and is an element upon which the studio is relying to garner a larger audience. Ivan Reitman is a producer on this picture. None of that is a problem because this is a movie for the fans. If you liked Ghostbusters, then you'll probably enjoy Ghostbusters Afterlife. Callie and her kids, 15-year-old Trevor and 12-year-old Phoebe, are down on their luck. Having just been evicted from their apartment, Callie learns that her estranged dad has died and left her his farm in the Midwest. With nowhere else to go, the family moves to the farm where they discover that Callie's dad was one of the Ghostbusters who saved New York City back in the mid-1980s. Soon, they realize the same spectral forces that menace New York have returned in this small town to threaten the safety of the entire world. Ghostbusters Afterlife stars Finn Wolfhard, McKenna Grace, Carrie Coon, and Paul Rudd. You'll recognize Wolfhard from Stranger Things and McKenna Grace from The Handmaid's Tale. Logan Kim, Celeste O'Connor, and Bokeem Woodbine appear in supporting roles. And there are cameos from original stars Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, Sigourney Weaver, and Annie Potts. There is a terrific nod to the late Harold Ramis. McKenna Grace really stood out for me in this movie. She's an exceptional young actress with a really bright future. Of course, Paul Rudd is his usual Paul Ruddy self and delivers as expected. Despite the derivative nature of the material, this was a fun family movie. It doesn't require a great deal of thought. In fact, you really don't want to think too hard about what's going on as it will create questions that will detract from your enjoyment of the movie. Jason Reitman crafts an entertaining tale along with screenwriter Gil Keenan. And it borrows so much from Ghostbusters that Aykroyd and Ramis actually get writing credits too. But the viewer is drawn into the story about Carrie and her kids in a sneaky backhanded way. I came to feel for them as they were plucked from urban life and dropped into the middle of nowhere trying to adapt. And the film ultimately offers an affirmation of the closeness of family and loyalty of friendship that some will find compelling and satisfying. With a runtime of two hours and four minutes, it doesn't require much investment. And things move along at a brisk pace, so you probably won't be checking the time. It's rated PG-13 with minimal harsh language and just a bit of sexual innuendo, but nothing untoward. Take your kids with confidence. There's a wonderful sense of nostalgia generated by this movie, and I enjoyed it despite its numerous shortcomings. The tribute to the late Harold Ramis even brought tears to my eyes. 
most likely to be enjoyed by fans of the first movie. Two stars out of four. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. And there you have it, the official FF review of Ghostbusters Afterlife, which opened last week and is taking theaters by storm. Although it doesn't appear as if uh, this movie is going to remain at number one. Uh, there was something else that came out. It was like a Disney movie. And uh, Encanto. Is that what it is? Encanto. Encanto, exactly. And it looks like Encanto is going to be uh, what, uh, what takes number one at, uh, at this week's box office so can't uh, start, can't mess with that disney <laughs> that mouse always got something in theaters oh indeed indeed you know so anyway be that as it may uh i am joined this week by julian lytle uh we are actually trying to connect uh brandon troy and uh we're gonna we're gonna see if we're gonna see if we can get old brandon in and uh, if we can, uh, he will join us momentarily. But uh, yeah, so time to talk I about another Disney movie. Yeah, you know, I, I had thought that before we actually uh, lost the opportunity, because of course, Eternals has been out for uh, a month now. In fact, yeah. yesterday was a full four weeks, and. I thought we would talk about that if we could. So we can. Yeah. Uh, a movie <laughs> that is the most unlike most other MCU films that is getting, uh, I guess, penalized in a way critically mm -hmm. and by the domestic audience for that nature. Excuse me. Yet still, uh, is making hundreds of millions of dollars. So. Kind How of tough bad to is argue. It? I was going to say, kind of tough to argue with that. And isn't that the age-old question when it comes to all of this? Because there is the financial success and critical acclaim and how the fans respond and how they feel. And after all, the reason, I mean, it's called show business, and the reason that they make these things is to turn a profit. So from that perspective as long as the thing is making money well we'll see because you know the punditry the financial punditry is also saying how bad things are or if it's not doing good enough and i don't know if the financial punditry is actually truly taking into account the fact that it's still a pandemic and not everybody wants to go outside into a movie theater mm. um so i still think in a lot of ways they're they're wanting to see that the theaters bounce back or the film should be making more and i don't think any marvel movie besides infinity war and endgame could ever make a billion dollars in this current climate uh so i think if it makes half half a billion i think it'll do fine <laughs> you know if, if it makes around the same as shang chi which also hasn't made half a billion dollars but it seems mm -hmm. like a success mm -hmm. yeah um mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know what people truly expected out of the Eternals. I think a lot of people really don't know what the Eternals are. And I say that, I don't even think a lot of people who read comics actually know what the Eternals are. Because that's, that's yeah, the you deep gotta cuts. Go deep, that's, exactly. that's like being a, a jazz fan and as a music fan. It's like, there's music <laughs> fans, then there's jazz fans. You gotta mm. like, 
oh yeah, oh that's that's the Kirby deep cut from the late seventies. <laughs> oh, it's not even you know the only thing deep you can go is X fifty one when he did two thousand and one adaptation. Yeah, that's the, that, that's yeah. that's what you're getting to. You're getting into <laughs> you get into late stage Kirby, the mm-hmm. last ten years, and so it's just like, yeah, I don't. It's it's interesting to see a movie that I actually was entertained enough by that I could rewatch again, and everybody was like, I don't know. Ulysses, we were at the screening, and you see all the the other critics like, I don't, I don't like it. It's like, oh, this is pretty good, and I'm the person that's like, every other movie was like, this is garbage. <laughs> We sit here through this commercial, this television show. Well, it was different. It was, I mean, I think we've recognized that the typical Marvel offering now follows a, a well-established formula. Oh, sure enough. I have to remind everybody, you're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Julian Lytle. We're talking about the latest, greatest movie from Marvel and Disney. The Excuse me, Eternals. I wanted to call it The Eternals, but it's just Eternals. Eternals. Exactly. Marvel's Eternals, which has been out for a week now. Excuse me, a week. A month, a month now. Uh, yeah. And uh, has, done pr- has done pretty well at the box office. I mean, do- you said... Hadn't quite, um, hadn't quite made. Uh, it's like three, over three hundred, mm. I think. I think it's, it's it's doing. Yeah, we are we are doing fine. We are furiously checking that. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, what I was saying is that it has, it has deviated from this well-established formula that Marvel has created for their movies, and one of. Frankly, one of my criticisms every time I've gone to one of these pictures has been, well, you know, it's more of the same and it's following the formula. And But when they deviate from the formula, evidently they're to be penalized and reviled <laughs> for it. Oh, it's not, I mean, for it not being what people expect. And, you know, there's being in a groove, but there's being in a rut. And I now, of course based on the metric that we were discussing earlier in terms of the financial success, it's kind of hard to describe Marvel Disney as being in a rut with their movies. I mean, with the movies, all these new offerings on TV. In fact, Hawkeye just hit Disney Plus Hawkeye earlier this week, you know, that's, and that's everybody what they is give loving you. it. You they, know? Give you a, they give you a month between, between chapters of the story. Mm-hmm. It was literally like, oh, Eternal, what was it, Shang-Chi? And then it was like six weeks went past. Mm. Eternals was out. Well, didn't they have What If in there somewhere? What If was before Shang-Chi. Oh, that was before Shang-Chi. Okay. So, yeah, it's like every six weeks they was hitting us with something. <laughs> and it got another one coming up. Because hey, in Spider-Man. just a couple of weeks, Spider-Man. Because yeah. as soon as Hawkeye's over, mm-hmm. guess who comes guess who's come swinging through? <laughs> it's like, you got to be kidding me. And I think, was it? I don't know when Miss Marvel comes out. I think it's sometime. I think early it's early next, next year. year. Yeah, you know, but it's gonna see, be a little bit longer than six weeks. Yeah. Well, but there's also the the uh, the movie fatigue because what it just uh, recently Ridley Scott is uh, one of the directors who made news by slamming well, the yeah, superhero he, genre. He didn't even slam it. See, this is the problem, right? Mm-hmm. The internet, especially fandom based internet, took an interview that took me 15 minutes to read. 
took two sentences <laughs> and went to town with it. Yes. I think mostly what he said is the scripts aren't that good. Now, hmm. some people think that think he hates superheroes, he hates comic books, everything else. This is the man that worked with, with Mobius himself. Uh, you know? I don't know if people even seen his um his storyboards for his films. He draws like Mobius. He doesn't hate comic books. I don't even think he hates superheroes. In that same interview, he's like, you know, I made some superhero movies. You know, Alien's mm-hmm. a superhero movie. And yeah, I think basically. a lot of what you say, Ripley, especially if you look at the effect of Ripley on women superheroes, has had a, a large effect on women superheroes in, in superhero comics. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And he said, glad he's a superhero. If you look at the arc of the character of Marcus Aurelius, blah, 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 it fits. He had an origin. Like, he was a soldier. The bad guy killed his family. Mm-hmm. He rebuilt himself back up. He come on. He raised his like yeah. That, Overcomes he, evil. <laughs> he teams up with some other people. Mm-hmm. He has a love interest, and then, you know, except he dies at the end. I'm like, well, you know, I was like, you know what? Yeah, you know what? You can say the Gladiator is a superhero movie mm-hmm. in a certain way. A lot of things in superhero movies they're taking the same type of art, mm-hmm. narrative structure of mm-hmm. his film. And applying it to the superhero. Mm. Isn't isn't Blade Runner a Ridley Scott movie? Yeah, people don't even want. They say he ain't. You know how many people took so much stuff from Blade Runner? <laughs> no, he said that the scripts aren't that good. And I want to ask people, mm-hmm. how many of these scripts do you actually think is that good in superhero movies? When to be a complete honest, only Batman movies... Deadpool and Logan has ever been really nominated mm. out of the superhero genre. Not mm. comic book movies, because that's a different argument, because yeah. American mm. Splendor. Um, yeah, that's true. I mean, these are adapted History of Valid. Uh, other films that had something to do with comic books. Yes. The Fountain. A mm-hmm. uh, whole bunch of other stuff. was that with Tom Hanks? It was like a gangster movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Road to Perdition. Road to Perdition. Yo, Thank Ro- you. Mm-hmm. Road to Gangster. Came out through, through the boys across the street. <laughs> DC Comics. <laughs> um, yeah, those get... Screen, those get screenwriting awards. I can't really sit there and tell you that, like, I think that the script for Thor 2 is amazing, even though I enjoy Thor 2. Uh, Zack Sox League can't have a fire script. Come on, man. He has a point. Ain't nobody checking for superhero comic scripts. It's just, nobody's checking for any big tentpole movie scripts. That's not their job. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, really, Scott got, got blasted. And it's like, oh, filmmakers now. Like, yeah, all right. Because they don't want to no see their movies. A lot of people do want to see their movies. They might not want to go to the theater because the age range for those movies hmm. is people who are older. And they're like, I ain't trying to catch no COVID-19. I can watch this in the house. <laughs> well, the, the other element to this is that, and you kind of hit on something that's a pet peeve of mine, because people reacting to criticism of these films and like you said have you read the scripts for a lot of superhero movies are you going to defend this but see it's like it's like ghostbusters afterlife okay hey, fun movie, movie hey, fun movie. movie you know well that's because it's uh, people i'm sorry it's not that good and I, I, I know folks are going to lose their minds when i say this i enjoyed the film i thought it had 
big old dose of nostalgia. I was even crying in the movie with that stuff, you know, the tribute to Egon and stuff. But the fact is, it wasn't that good a movie. You don't want to think too hard about a lot of the stuff that happened because it doesn't make any sense. And it was going to take you somewhere where you're like getting confused. So that's the thing. A lot of the time, people confuse enjoying a movie, liking it, with it being good. There's a lot of stuff that I like. I've said this before. I'll say it again. A whole lot of stuff that I like that totally sucks. You have to be objective enough in your in your ability to critically analyze a movie, a book, a TV show, whatever, and determine whether or not it's actually good or whether or not it just hits certain beats that sing to your heart to where you enjoy this thing. Now, I would never tell somebody, oh, no, don't don't like this or don't support it. I mean, you know, and, and that's a personal, very individual kind of decision. But I will tell you whether or not it's any good. You know? yeah. it's, and, and, and that's different than whether or not I enjoy it. And invariably, what happens, you say it wasn't that good, and then somebody's like, why are you hating on it? Why are you hating on it? You know? And the other one that drives me nuts, especially here in the golden age of geeks, People will tell you, some really hardcore fans will tell you, why can't you just enjoy the fact that they have all this stuff? Why do you have to be so critical? And I, to that I respond, I, I, have we abandoned certain standards of quality? Yes. I mean, well, yeah, okay, that was a rhetorical question, but yes, <laughs> you're absolutely right. And, and, and just because... There is a preponderance of all this material that I happen that is in a genre that I happen to like. Does that mean that I have to like all of it? And I don't think I think the answer is no. <laughs> I, I do think that also I think when people criticize these films, mm -hmm. um, people feel like I think people feel like they're be, they're they're being criticized. Mm -hmm. That really, Scott is 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 somehow looking into their house and saying, "You know what? Yo, you ain't that good." Well, that's that's the, you ain't deep. That's the other thing that they do. You know, all of a sudden, and even though he wasn't talking about his own movies, all of a sudden they're like, "Well, but you're not that good." I mean, you know, typical. It's always somebody argument. who never mm -hmm. made some online telling somebody who's a legend or something, <laughs> literal legend. Mm -hmm. You ain't that good. Like what? What? What part of the game is that? See, that's why I think all of it's a mistake. Fandom is a mistake. It sure can. Fandom be. is a, was a mistake. The golden age of this geek stuff is a. T it was terrible to me. Some stuff should stay underground. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. And uh, and yet there are all these people who. Uh, well, okay. What I really want to say is that as a geeky, nerdy, dorky fan who received a great deal of, well, I'll, I'll characterize it as um, flack 
from the cool kids, the popular people, uh, you know, the 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 ones, uh, you know, the athletes and mm-hmm. whatever, you know. Um, now that we have reached a point where the the comics and the superhero movies and you know that whole culture has kind of come into vogue my observation has been that there are a lot of people who now want to give back what they feel like they got and so we are behaving as poorly as the cool kids and the jocks and whatever other group was lording it over us and 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 that's we're better than that we're no, bigger than that you doubt is what you think i don't i i have negative no i do not think <laughs> it's, it's, the problem the problem is with wanting to get revenge is that is the most of the people who are doing it are older and they don't understand that what's considered cool what was considered cool back then isn't considered what's cool now. Yeah. And some of you guys had children and raised your kids and it is, and they might be cool. So at this point, all the cool people, like, this is a business. They were successful. Mm-hmm. It was so successful that they were actually able to rush an Eternals film, put it out, <laughs> low-key make a Justice League film out of it, Get one of the most popular filmmakers do before she blew up, so yes. they got it at a mm-hmm. discount. Yes, mm-hmm. and folks is complaining. Folks is complaining because the movie was shot outside. It don't look like it's on green screen. Ain't this that a, uh, an yeah. embarrassment of riches? Mm-hmm. It actually had romantic scene. You know that you know, and you were the one who pointed out to me even. Pepper and Tony. They don't, don't people, e- they don't even have intimate relations. At most, they had a good kiss. Mm-hmm. And I bet you that's because it's Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> he ain't kissed. I don't think he kissed. Wait, wait, wait. So he kissed her in one, two, and three. And three mm-hmm. came out in what, 2013? I don't think he kissed mm. Gwyneth Paltrow again. Even, uh, until he died and she kissed him on the forehead when he was fake dead. <laughs> yeah, and of course that forehead kiss don't count. You I kissed my saying? mom on the forehead. <laughs> All this thing, Star Lord and Gamora have a relationship. They don't do they don't do nothing adult. Mm-hmm. Why Shang Chi Katie put her head on his shoulder? That is the romant that is the romantic plotline of the enti- of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> well, you and might get holding hands, but they're platonic friends. Shang no, and they're Katie. not. You know, they wrote they wrote they wrote them as an actual romantic. This just. That's the thing. The, these are kids' movies. And kids' movies these days, you can't have no actual... It's not like 80s PG movies. <laughs> you might you might see some boobs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were surely going to see some boobs. <laughs> you might, you going to catch an F word. PG movie now is just like, mm-hmm. you get an explosion. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like, boom. Like, oh. Yeah. No, oh, they're I, killing I, aliens. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's something that I've always thought was kind of backwards, too, honestly. The fact that it's it's completely acceptable to show violence in these movies, but healthy sexual expression between people, that's frowned on. And any culture that is going to celebrate violence publicly 
over romanticism and love, uh, even sex, I think that's highly questionable. That's a deeper conversation about the eternal shoelaces. <laughs> yes. And that's not what this is about. In fact, Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA in Arlington, Virginia. We're a community radio station, which among other things means that we are non-commercial, which means we rely on our underwriters, our sponsors, and listeners like you for the totality of the operation of the radio station. Visit the website at WERA.FM or that of our parent organization, Arlington Independent Media, at ArlingtonMedia.org to find out how you can make your tax-deductible gift today. Do it before the end of the year so you can claim it on your taxes next year. So, Julian and I are going to pause briefly to acknowledge our underwriters and sponsors. We're also going to take the opportunity to promote some of the other wonderful WERA shows that are coming up later tonight. And we are going to be back right after that. I'm going to try and see if we can't maybe connect Brandon Troy <laughs> while we are uh, in the break. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be able to get him. But one way or the other, we'll be back with more Fantastic Forum right after this. Don't go away. here on the Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Julian Lytle and, uh, you know, continue to be frustrated by my ability to connect Brandon Troy. So uh, when we took the break... We had been talking about um, some of the challenges facing Marvel and Disney and their latest release, Eternals, at least their latest release for another couple of weeks because Spider-Man No Way Home is coming out on, what is it, the, uh, the, the 17th of December, is it? Oh. I'm yes. bad at this right now. Mm -hmm. Being a critic now, it's like for for your consideration period. So I'm getting movies every day, oh. and I'm losing track mm -hmm. of winning the world. Things is mm -hmm. uh, so I think so. I know it's the third week of December, right before Christmas, and mm -hmm. I know it's before the Mandalorian come out. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I guess we're gonna have to see what ultimately happens with that. So. Um, Okay, wait a minute. I think we I think we've actually got Brandon now. <laughs> can you hear me clearly? Uh, we uh, we can. Thank goodness. Perfect. Okay. All right. So and and you're actually just in time in terms of uh, joining in on this conversation because we were going to uh, talk about 
the Eternals. Excuse me, Eternals. Yes. I keep wanting yes. to just. I keep wanting to <laughs> say the Eternals. I think that's and, the comic title, isn't it? Yes, yeah, it actually why. is. You know, and of course, this based on the original. Well, it was Jack Kirby that created the Eternals for Marvel, and they're sort of a knockoff of the New Gods. Uh, really uh, a, a serious knockoff but there are a number of other comic creators who lent their their ideas to Eternals yeah and more successfully than happened across the street in regards to the fourth world yeah. I would say the Eternals in terms of the Marvel collaborators their additions to it especially with um um, losing his name, the old man who made up Thanos. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, Starlin, uh, Star oh, Jim Starlin. Starlin. Yes. Starlin. Mm -hmm. Things yeah. that Starlin yeah. added in the in the different writers of the Avengers, added to the Eternals, filled that I say filled that cup up to make it a little bit more stuff there than that was in the original series, and then Neil Gaiman coming in the two thousands and the stuff they've also been doing with them. Isan Ribic and I think is it Peter Milligan? I I could be wrong. I but, think you're right. Um, the current series that's been running for the like the last year or so, basically, to prepare people for the movie, um, mm -hmm. has been they've been they've been adding more to a very very light concept. Mm. What I feel is a light concept. Yeah. Well, and the original uh, Eternals comic book was only about. Eight or nine issues. I looked up. It's a little bit longer than that, but it's still not mm. a long running. No, no. It's like two years max, maybe. Oh, okay, I didn't. I mean, I I probably bailed earlier than that because I, I was reading it when it first came out. Yo, it's it's, but, it's mm. a it's a stretch. It's hard to read for people who most people haven't read the original comics. It's like, oh yeah, this is the stuff you didn't get to use. Yeah, like with, you were with new retooling gods. new god yeah. stuff, and it's and it's really obvious. Yeah, <laughs> and I was gonna say, Julian, to your point. You know, I'll be honest, like when it came to Eternals, yeah, I'm pretty, I, if I'm not well versed in, in a character, I'm at least, you know, have the general gist and they're, they're one of the few groups that I don't really know that much about. And I, and I, and it's been very fascinating to kind of see how, you know, uh, audiences have been responding to the film where, you know, some say they like it. It's been very mixed. Some say they liked it. Other people said they hated it or they just really don't get it. And uh, I would just say this, like, I appreciate the ambition. You know, I don't know if you, you're getting into Yuli into like, you know, uh, the general thoughts at this point, but like, I, I appreciated the ambition in, in terms of what was, what was the goal in in doing this film and and um and the fact that you're covering so much you know so much time you know uh, uh the span of time in which they inhabit and and trying to still make that into a story that people care about or or people will be able to follow with um i feel like maybe further down the line you know it will be appreciated a little bit more but for you know casual audiences you know for audiences that are you know more used to what we have you know maybe on the grounded in with like a captain america or it, even if you want to go you know very galactic and, and get you know uh very space heavy with like guardians of the galaxy mm. you know there's still things to grasp there and there's still tropes there to grasp where i feel like this one might 
be it might be one of those cases where it's appreciated later and more so than it is right now um and i and I, that's to say is that there there are elements of it that that I that I did enjoy you know I enjoyed the 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 epicness of of how long that span of time um in which they you know were have been with us uh uh was was touched on however you know what I really can't can't oh I should say had issues with is which is not a not a secret among other people that in terms of issues that they had is just that whole whole idea of where y'all been like, like, like that whole, all this stuff has happened. Like, where y'all been? Like, yeah, yeah we which, get which they you know, addressed. Yeah, they I mean, did. I think they addressed they did, it poorly. But it just, yeah, thank you. Because thank the you. the end, the end is what the, the one of the post credit scenes is what messes it up. Was like, we cannot, uh, we cannot interfere in the affairs of humans. But, 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 but the person who interact, who calls all the trouble, is it eternal. Yes. So it has nothing to do with humans. An eternal messed up to half the universe. Yeah, so yeah. one would think, based yeah. on that, that they were free to intervene. You know, you, given you their license that, was the deviants, and one would assume other Eternals. But again, it and, looks like they don't know that Thanos was the Eternal, which is the setup. Which was my biggest question on well, But no, like, but Thanos but, is but, an Eternal. But they How come no one's talking about? Yeah, this? they because when when uh, Arrow showed up in the post credit scene, it was like brother to Thanos. Oh no no! Yeah. I and think that's, he that's, was a. See, that's another issue that I have. I was going to say uh, another issue that they kind of touched on is. And we, we can get into spoilers at this point, right? It's a month. I'm assuming. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. It's going to be on the app in two weeks. I know. I know. But but still, I like to be careful, you know. No, no. I appreciate like, yeah, spoiler, that. Spoiler, spoiler, um, But no, like, with, did, wasn't it established in this film that, like, they were essentially, like, synthetic and that they can't really procreate? So, like, how are they – and maybe I'm just reading that wrong or I just, like, read that wrong. Like, how are they able to explain within what we have in the MCU that we have a Thanos and we have an Eros and we have all of these other, you know, folks that are descendants, next, you know, generation uh, uh, Eternals? Like, that was something – Maybe, and as I said, I didn't follow what they had in the comics with with that that thread. I'm assuming that they that they addressed that they were in the comics, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Julian. Like that they were it, that they it, that they had the ability to. It was a retcon, Brandon. Yeah, ah, okay. but like in yeah, this because... story, like it doesn't make sense. If they're synthetic, then how are they able to actually have any children or have any descendants of any kind? So like like that. And then even with the deviants, when they got into the third act, basically once you actually establish in this film what's really at play and what's really at stake, like they became pointless by the end of it. I was like, okay, you don't even need to. I could pluck him that that character out of this movie, and it really isn't about about you know that that conflict anymore. It's about something else. So like they, I feel like there there were a lot of ideas in here, a lot of ideas in this pot, so to speak, but. Like you were saying, Julian, like in terms of how it was executed and how it was all brought together, it just kind of felt jumbled by the end of it. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I one thing that I said at the screening was it was a mess. I mean, and and part of what I was feeling like that about was the way that they kept jumping back and forth between 5000 BC and wow. modern day. And, you know, they, they, they kept with all that. But, um, yeah, I. I 
Brandon, I'm glad you asked, and Julian, I'm hoping you know, but I'm glad, Brandon, you asked Julian about that because, of course, the original Eternals that Jack Kirby created, uh, they were living beings. That's what and, I thought. Yeah. yeah, but you know, Julian is saying they retconned them to where well, right, even, they're synthetic. It's not even mm-hmm. that that they retconned the fact that uh, Thanos and his 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 kin from from Titan from Titan Saturn's moon was an offshoot set of Eternals that left, and they didn't want to do it. And they just did their own thing, and then also like the '50s character Marvel, the original Marvel boy. Oh uh, yeah, who they, went to Uranus and all yeah, of that they, stuff? They, yeah, they retconned that is another type of eternal. So, so he wasn't human anymore. No, so that basically, I think they were trying to play with. At the end of the movie, I think the fact that Pip the Troll says, "Brother of Thanos, arrows." I think the other characters actually have no idea who these people are. They just see like, "Yo, there's these random people on our ship," and they just he this, this little one is talking. And I think that's literally set up for like whatever else they're gonna do with Angelina Jolie's character. Like that's they're gonna pop up somewhere else, probably Guardians Three somehow, um, or Thor or, or something. Thor, yeah. Um, because they since they split them in half, you can put some over here. They could pop up. You can have some pop up over here. Because to me, the, the much like, and this is to me where Eternals become like every other Marvel movie. The last mm-hmm. act, the fight against the big CG thing mm-hmm. that always happens, mm-hmm. is set up for. <laughs> it's the TV show part. It's the setup for something yeah, later. TV, TV so it's like that cool. whole thing is to me. And I said this when that I was saw very it, similar. It's yeah. like, oh, you're setting up the Fantastic Four. Like I know what you're doing. Like you can't trick me. I'm Google Maps. I already know <laughs> your routes. You playing? Well. I- <laughs> I was gonna say, from what I understand, they they are trying to set up something else too. I don't know if they cut it out of the uh, out of the uh, film, uh, but there there had there have been, you know, there has been info that when they initially arrive on Earth, that they were planting the seeds for uh, Atlantis also. So like that, whatever that kid character that first makes first contact with the Eternals from. From from what I understand, it's supposed to be a young version of Namor. From from uh, uh, other sources that that I that I've you know uh, uh, heard from, like that was supposed to be the idea where they they were planting the seeds for other factions. To your point, Julian, um, of what they were trying to do. Speaking of Fantastic hmm. Four, interesting. So, hey, hold, hold that thought one second because. Time to remind the audience, you're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. We are your community radio station. Wait, I said that. Radio Arlington. Uh, I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Brandon Troy, Julian Lytle. We've been talking about Chloe Zhao's Eternal, well, Marvel's Eternals, directed by Chloe Zhao. And uh, Brandon, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. I, I guess... The only other thing that I'll I'll wrap up what I was saying with is, again, very ambitious. But when it comes to and Marvel has been really great about this, you know, when it comes to comics and and Julian, you like you the way you explained it is to the point of what I what I'm about to say is that sometimes comics can get really ridiculous and really heady, and you know, people come back, you know, people die, like in terms of the various like concepts that they bring uh bring up 
some uh, sometimes like when it comes to MCU, or I should say when it comes to the MCU, I'll give them credit is up to this point, up until t- Eternals, they've done a relatively decent job of trying to streamline a lot of things that are very complicated in terms of like character interactions or, you know, their uh, their origins or who's, you know, this race or who's this faction or like they, they've done a relatively decent job of, you know, providing, appreciating the various writers and the iterations of, of certain characters and finding a way to streamline it. And to my point of what I was saying about the synthetic versus biological thing, that was an easy fix. Like you could have just said that they were, you know, biological. Like even if it, even if they were created, even if they're like uh, uh, creatures that were created by the the celestials, they could have just been empowered humanoid beings that are still able to procreate. Like that, that could have been an easy fix instead of trying to. Well, they haven't had children yet. Yeah, so. and, and they didn't say that they couldn't procreate. And and you know, don't yeah. get too hung up on yeah. the synthetic label because because the celestials created them. They could be sophisticated. I mean, they're they're sentient. You know, so I mean, it could be that they can reproduce too. I mean, I'm you know? just saying I mean, for general knows? audiences, you know, they'll hear that term and it'll just throw them into a loop. So yeah. like, it's better mm-hmm. just to keep things simple. Which well, is what they've done a relatively good job of doing. It's a, it's an so. easy way to connect to to the vision. So it's like, because mm. the way they made the vision didn't make no sense, right? Like, how did humans magically figure out how to make like a synthesoid? What a, a Korean lady is just that she's just like, like yo, I could make a man, <laughs> like for real. <laughs> Oh, you put you put a gem in his head and just like yo. <laughs> well, I, I had the feeling that once Ultron touched her up with the scepter, that he kind of helped out. So, well, no, nah, I, 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 that may be that may be true, but then that can still all come from the gems connecting to the Celestials, connected to the Eternals. Like the way mm-hmm. the Eternals looked on the inside looked very much the same way as the design sense of designing the way mm-hmm. the Vision looks. Mm-hmm. So it's like. It's there. It's not that crazy. You just had like six, eight episodes of this man walking around the town in a turtleneck, raising <laughs> some kids that he allowed in the blue. So it's just like, clearly, you know, he out there, you know, white vision out there. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, that none of that, but none of that, but I was like, okay, it's that's the thing is the movie isn't great and it's not bad. It's in the middle, and people fighting over movies that are in the middle, saying whether they they're terrible or they're great. And it's just like yo, just let things be in the middle. Like sometimes stuff is just alright, you know. Sometimes stuff is just a quarter pounder with cheese with some bacon on it, you know. Well, some sometimes it's just McDonald's. There seems to be a predisposition <laughs> on the part of a large percentage of the movie going audience to give Marvel a pass and to <laughs> just <laughs> automatically <an> say <laughs> well <laughs> I'm a king of understatement but you know and to automatically say just because it's Marvel oh yeah this was good you know and uh, Brandon one of the things that we had mentioned earlier in the show was a certain lack of objectivity as far as uh, critically evaluating a lot of movies and and okay. you know you, you say so I, well, like hey I, I used Ghostbusters Afterlife as an example I enjoyed it it even brought tears to my eyes wasn't that oh, good yeah, I did you know yeah, wasn't I that good it. you know I mean but if you say that to somebody they're why are you hating on it 
Why are you hating on the movie? You know, and I'm like, I'm not hating on it. I mean, yeah, all I said is, I am. Well, I'm hating. <laughs> well, yeah, you hate on a lot of stuff, though, Julie. <laughs> but my my point is, there's uh, there's a lot of stuff that I like that totally sucks. But I understand that it sucks, and just because I like it doesn't make it good. And unfortunately, regrettably, awesome, that's okay. what happens with a lot of fans. They say, "Oh, it was really good. It was so good." But what they meant was, I really liked this. Not necessarily saying that it was good. So, uh, it, well, sure. you know, anyway. But uh, we've only got a couple of minutes left. And uh, I know we've we've sort of talked around a bunch of stuff. One thing that I want to throw in that I found out, because one of those post-credit scenes, it's the one with Dane Whitman uh, looking at the ebony blade. And somebody oh, yeah, says something... Like yeah, off camera. You mean Blade? Yeah, yeah. Yep. And I was like, I, yep. I just found out. Oh, that was Mahershala Ali. Yeah, Ali. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and he's supposed to be Blade, and he's like, hey, you know. And I guess, but they don't want to show him to you. It's just like, hey, you know. And I didn't even recognize. I mean, I thought that was like some disembodied voice coming just, from the sword. I just or something, knew it was a black know? person. I was like, all right, it's not, it's not Nick Fury. And I had to think about it. I was like, it's Blade because later interpretations they made a team. Midnight Suns. Not not even Midnight Suns. Captain Britain and MI thirteen. Mm-hmm. Which is you know like MI five, MI six, MI thirteen is the super team and it has like Spitfire, Captain Britain, um Union Jack, mm-hmm. uh Blade. Blade was and on the that Black team. Knight. Really? So <laughs> you know, slowly <laughs> as we push to the re- to the X Men coming in, certain things are moving into place. Mm. Cause you remember where where was Excalibur at? It was in Britain. Britain, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Wasn't Nightcrawler on Excalibur? Yes, he. I'm, yes. I'm saying. Oh, Pete Wisdom. Yeah. You know, Pete Wisdom, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. one of Kitty Pryde's former relationships. He was part of that. T- I'm just saying, they they doing little things. They doing little things. And I see the, I say, I see well, the Julian, we already talked about this with the Young Avengers thing. Like, like people, it's right in front of y'all. Like, people not even realizing that they putting all these teams together, like, right in front of us. Yo, and y'all not yeah. paying attention. Every one of these shows is about the Young Avengers. Like, uh, all, all these Disney Plus shows got Young Avengers in it, like heavily. Yep. Ant Man, yeah. the only mm-hmm. one where it's in a movie. So soon it's like, it's even going to be a movie. They're going to pop into a type of Avengers thing, and then something will happen, and you're going to get, you can get Haley Stansfield. You're going to get them twins going to come back older. You're going to get that kid, Loki, that was in the Loki show. And then hmm. Eli going to get a blood transfusion and one of the <laughs> and Captain America 4. And if it is statue, she going to get the little suit and be like, and you're going to get a kid, you can get a kid, a Kang, and then you might get a Marvel boy. It's just like, Miss America Chavez is going to pop in somehow. It's just like, here we go. The Young Avengers. And that's when Peter Parker's going to die. <laughs> well, it, 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 we gonna get miles. It begs the question. <laughs> they they want though. you know Sony wants them so bad. They want they want that live action one so bad. So they pining yeah. for it. They that money, it so that bad. money sitting out there. That miles money sitting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I tell you what, Miles Morales is a beloved character. I mean, no doubt about it. And if there's some way that they can that they can get to that. And they can get to Miles Morales and incorporate him into the greater Marvel universe, you know, then they're going to do that. They're absolutely going to do that. So, um, and I, I, it's a question of when rather than an if. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. all about, it's all about, 
over the next 23, you know, chapters or whatever it was going to be now. You know, the first the first TV season was 23 movies. Now they got TV shows, so I, my math is off. <laughs> well, it's going to be another 10 years before it finishes up with either the Secret Wars or Galactus. What are the two is happening? Yeah. Well, I mean, assuming, and there's no reason to believe oh, that both. this thing is going to peter out. You know, I mean, but we, again... Brandon, we were talking earlier about uh, some of the criticism that's come on Marvel movies, uh, most recently by Ridley Scott. And one wonders how much longer the whole thing can keep rolling. I mean, there does not seem to be Shoot, not just, any... not just Scott. I was going to say Scorsese, too. There you go. Thank you. He was another one. You know, but there doesn't seem to be any, any audience fatigue here, you know? Anyway, but of course, that musical cue means we're out of time for this episode. I'd like to thank my guests and you, too, for tuning in. Of course, Fantastic Forum is also a television show. You can check that out online or check your local listings because, hey, it might actually be on in your area, especially if you live in Montgomery County. Hint, hint. But visit the website at fantasticforum.tv. You can not only see the actual television show, you can check out the interviews and the toy and game profiles and the special features and all that other wonderful stuff we've got. Also, the show is available as a podcast on all platforms where you can find your favorite podcast. Thanks to our friends over at the Great Geek Refuge. And the show re-airs right here on WERA each and every Thursday from 3 to 4 p.m. And, of course, we are on every Saturday afternoon from 4 to 5 It Come back again next week. Same bat time, same bat station. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, people.